0: If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to take them right now, if you would, and turn to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. uh, Nehemiah chapter 2. And as you're going there, I want to show you this picture. Uh, I I saw this picture. I don't know if you saw this picture in last week's Indie Star. Uh, It was this news story that was just simply titled Petting Zoo Cheetahs Attack Woman. Now, there are a couple of things that bother me about this story. As I read this story, and maybe you read this story, the first thing is this her husband is the one taking the picture. All right. What's wrong with that? All right. I mean, if you're the husband in this situation, you need to put your phone down, put that camera down and get in there and save your wife. You know, I mean, husbands, you know, dads, you're looking for to do something right, you know, for your moms. Just, just keep this in mind today, you know, and whatever you do. But the second thing that disturbed me about this article and this story was this one. Petting zoo cheetahs, Right. What sort of petting zoo, you know, offers the attraction of cheetahs today? I mean, anything that can take down a gazelle, you know, just keep your hand out of that cage, all right? I mean, the last time I looked, petting zoos were for bunnies and ponies and things like that and not cheetahs. Well, you'll be glad to know that this woman was fine and she survived and all, but uh, a little scary incident. That, this doesn't have anything to do with my sermon today, but I just was looking for a way to fit it in. I, it just seemed appropriate for this glorious Mother's Day message. But no, we are going to be a Nehemiah chapter 2 today, and hopefully uh, you were able to find that. Uh, we'll have some verses on the screen for you, but we're in the second week of this series uh, that we've simply titled, Nehemiah, Change Your World. And I, and I just want to make sure that you hear me say this very clearly right up front. Moms, God has a purpose for your life. God, God has a great and glorious purpose for your life. You know, men, women, students... Uh, God has a purpose for your life, and, and I believe with all of my heart that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that God wants to use you in this world, in your circumstances, wherever you may be in life right now, to change the world. And, and last week I challenged you, to, challenged you with this question, what is it that breaks your heart? You know, what is it that breaks your heart? What is it that burdens your heart? What's a burden that God has laid on your heart, and, and maybe laid on your heart on His behalf, and... Is it possible that God laid that burden on your heart as a way of preparing you, as a way of calling you to do something about it? The Apostle Paul talks about the role that we play as followers of Jesus as Christians, and uh, he said it this way in his letter to the church uh, in, e- in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, "...for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance." To do, you know, we are God's workmanship. The words say we belong to Jesus Christ. If if you are in Christ Jesus, if you know Him as your Lord and Savior, then you are His workmen, workmanship. Now, that word workmanship comes from the Greek word poeme. All right, it's where we get our word poem. It, it means masterpiece. It, it means new creation. That you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now. Good works have nothing to do with earning your salvation. You can't do that. Salvation is a free gift that has been given to us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But while good works have nothing to do with earning your salvation, good works have everything to do with living out your salvation. Or you could say it this way. Good works can't produce salvation in your life, but they are produced by salvation. And the Apostle Paul helps us to understand this. He challenges us in this, that you and I weren't put on this earth to, to just simply live and exist and buy iPhones, all right? It, it's more than that. that. That as followers of Jesus Christ, you and I are called to this active, productive life of, life of purpose, a life like our hero, Jesus Christ, lived on this earth now here's what jesus had to say about it here's what he had to say about our living and about our good works in john chapter 15 verse 8 jesus said this he says when you produce much fruit meaning when you live this out when you produce these good works in your life you are what you are my true disciples and even more this brings great glory to my father why? Because we are Christ's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. You know, and, and Paul mentions our purpose and our good works again in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, when he says, He gave His life to free us. Who did that? Jesus Christ. He gave His life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us, and to do what? To make us His very own people totally committed to doing good deeds. What does He expect of us? What does our God expect of us? That we will be people who are committed to doing these good deeds, committed to changing the world one life at a time. You know, and I think, I believe that one of the ways that God moves us to action is through the burdens that He gives us, the burdens and the problems that He lays on our heart. And last week we talked about those personal burdens, you know, this question of what is it that breaks your heart? I mean, what is it that really gets in your heart and moves your heart in a powerful way? You know, I'm going to tell you, you know, the closer you get to God, the closer that you grow to Him in your life, the more you surrender your life to Him, the more He will burden you for those things that burden Him. He'll give you eyes to see the things that He sees. He'll give you a heart to to understand and to feel, you know, those things that that really burden Him. You know, and I believe that that God uses these burdens, these burdens and these passions and these problems that He reveals to us as a way of drawing us out again, as a way of moving us to action as His children, as, as His followers. And we see this in the life of Nehemiah. You know, we see this in him. And in case you missed it last week, let me just kind of bring you up to speed on the story that we're going to look at over the next couple of weeks together. You know, the year was 444 B.C., The walls to the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed and lying in ruins for about 140 years. And and as a result, the people of Jerusalem were living in fear and despair. There was little to no hope for them. They were depressed. And not only were they embarrassed by the condition of their once great city, but no walls left them extremely vulnerable uh, to attacks from the outside, from their enemies. Well, one day a guy by the name of Nehemiah, A guy who lived 1,000 miles away from Jerusalem heard about the condition of the city of Jerusalem. And if you read Nehemiah 1 for yourself, you'll find that the news just devastated him. I mean, it just really ripped him apart. I mean, it really played an effect on his heart. Now, Nehemiah was a cupbearer at the time. You know, it was his job to guard King Artaxerxes, the king of Persia's cup. That's what he did. He, He guarded the cup to make sure that no one poisoned the drink. And so his responsibility was that Nehemiah always took the first drink. And if he didn't die within a half hour or an hour or something, well, the king knew that it was okay for him to go ahead and drink from the cup. And, and, and so there's nothing sexy about what this guy does for a living, all right? You know, there's nothing fascinating about it. I mean, he's a pretty ordinary guy. I mean, he's a cupbearer. I mean, he's kind of like a glorified butler of sorts. And, and I just tell you that because that's a pretty important detail to keep in mind as we continue in the rest of this story. You know, I mean, as you watch this guy in Nehemiah move from being a guy with simply a burden to a man of action, and and eventually, and as we're going to see today, emerge as a leader. I don't want you to forget that he's just an ordinary guy. Right? And from the world's perspective, there is nothing fascinating at all whatsoever about Nehemiah. He guards the king's cup. But do you know what? It's with people like Nehemiah ordinary people like Nehemiah that God uses to change the world. And we see this over and over again throughout the pages of Scripture. You know, Nehemiah heard about the devastation in Jerusalem, and the Bible says that he wept. That he wept, and he he fasted, and, and he prayed. He was overcome by emotion. He couldn't get the news of the condition of his city off of his mind. And as we saw last week, it didn't just end with his emotions, you know. He started praying about his part. You know, he prayed about what God wanted to do through him, that God gave him this bird. Nehemiah believed, as a calling of sorts, as a way of moving him to action. And when he heard about the walls and the condition of his city, Nehemiah was like, you know what, something's not right here. I mean, something is not right. Something has to change. Someone has to do something. Why shouldn't it be me? Why wouldn't God be calling me to this? And I'm just telling you what God is doing in Nehemiah because what I believe he's doing in Nehemiah I believe He wants to do in your life and my life too. That we'll see our part, our role to play, that we are God's workmanship, that you and I, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we belong to God. We are called to good deeds, good deeds that change the world. You know, God was ready to use this man here, this man who was not a building contractor. He he was not a priest. He was not a prophet or a king or anything like that. He's a cupbearer. But God is ready to use this ordinary cupbearer to do something significant something that will change the world. And that's what he's going to do. You know, and just a little bit of a sneak peek, and maybe you know the story for yourself, and we'll look at at this over the next couple of weeks. Nehemiah is going to return to Jerusalem. He's going to gather the people together, and they're going to rebuild the wall uh, to the city of Jerusalem in 52 days. I mean, it's nothing but a miracle. But do you know what? Do you know what I love most about this story more than even the fact that they were able to rebuild the wall in 52 days? What I love about this story and what really encourages me as a pastor and as a man and and as just an ordinary person just like you is that God used an ordinary nobody in Nehemiah. And if he can use an ordinary nobody in Nehemiah, if he can use a guy like this to change the world, then he can use you and me too. And so that's what I've been praying for that's what I'm praying for for my life, and this is what I've been praying for for you today, is that if you are in Christ Jesus, that God has a purpose for your life, and that you will see and believe and know that God wants to use you to change this world. And as some of you discovered last week and are maybe discovering today, that God will put a burden on your heart. And as you grow in Him, and as you get to know Him more and more in your life, God will put a burden on your heart. And He will open your life more and more to Him, and He'll open your eyes to see the things that He sees, to see them the way that He does, and He'll use that burden like He did with Nehemiah as a way of calling you to action. You know, some of you are here today, and I've heard from some of you in this, and you're already thinking along those lines of of what are these consistent burdens, these consistent problems, these consistent ideas that keep coming up in my life, and, and maybe what is it that God is trying to do in me and through me? You know, some of you are here today and you have some ideas about what your burden is and and what God has laid on your heart and maybe what He's calling you to do. But what I want to do today is simply this. I want to help you take the next step. I want to help you go a little bit further with this. I I want to get you thinking about where you go from here, you know, moving more and more towards action. And, And as a way of doing that, I want you to see something God did in Nehemiah and something that I believe that He can do in you and me. Here's what I think. I believe that God is ready to raise some of you up as leaders. I I believe that God is ready to raise some of you up uh, with greater leadership in your life, or maybe in your workplace, or maybe where you attend school, or the campus that you live on. I, I believe that God wants to raise some of you up as greater leaders in your home. Uh, on your street, you know, with the people that you hang around with or with your extended family or maybe even in this church, you know, that God is ready to call you to action and along the way, He's going to make a great leader out of you. Now, you might hear me say leader and immediately think to yourself, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I, I was following you. I was sort of tracking with you until you started talking about leader. I mean, really? Me be a leader, I, I don't really consider myself... A leader. I mean, I know that some people are sort of born with that, but I just don't kind of consider myself as one of those people that was born with a gift like that. Leonard Ravenhill, in his literary work, uh, The Last Days Newsletter, tells about a group of tourists... Uh, who were out traveling and were visiting a, a picturesque village one day. And as the tourists walked by this old village, they came across this old man that was leaning up against a fence. And And one tourist asked him in sort of a patronizing sort of way, just simply said, Hey, were there any great men or great women who were born into this village? And to that, the old man replied, Nope, just a bunch of babies. You know, That's all that were born into this village. Now, here's the thing. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're ready and willing to play your part for change in this world, I believe that God can make a leader out of you. I believe that He can do that. That God will give you a burden or a passion, and He'll give you this desire to act, this desire to do something, to be used by God. And as God moves you to action, I believe that He can and He will. He can equip you and empower you to be a world-changing leader, just like He did with Nehemiah. I mean, leadership isn't something that you are necessarily born with. It develops. We are gifted with it. You know, true leaders emerge. And where do they start? They often start with a passion or a burden or a calling from God. And so here's what I want to do with the remaining time that we have today. As we continue in these next pages of Nehemiah and just kind of see what it is that God is doing in his life, what I want to do is just kind of try and draw out some very, very practical sort of insight with you. And I'm telling you that right up hand front today, because as you leave today, and maybe when you're in the car, you'll turn to whoever you came with, and you say, well, that was just kind of really practical today. Well, I'm telling you right up front, this is just really, really practical today. And so I'm kind of giving you some advanced warning. The Another challenge that i've had is like okay how to make this apply into any and every situation for every person that came here and i know that i can't do that today but i'm trusting that god is able and willing to do that in you but again here's what i believe i believe that there are a number of you that are here today and you are ready and you are listening and, and that god has given you a burden and you want to make your life count you want to do something significant for god to bring change to this world you're ready to be a leader for god but the question really is how like, how do I go from here? I mean, how, how can I make a difference? How, how is it possible that God could really use me to do something significant? And what are these next steps? And so again, we're just going to get really practical in this as we look at these next pages of Nehemiah's life. You know, that God has given you a burden, and now what? And what I want you to see is this. And the first thing is this, if you're taking notes and you want to follow along, is that a change the world leader, and and we see this in Nehemiah, a change the world leader, what God wants to do in you and me, a change the world leader defines the mission clearly. I want you to see the importance, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, as you believe and want to know how can I do something great for God, that a true leader, a change the world leader defines the mission clearly. That God has given you a burden, and your responsibility with him now is to figure out where you go and how you get there from here. That you need to find ways of defining your mission clearly to specifically ask yourself, okay, now what is it that God is asking me to do with my life? And I want you to show, to show you how this works out for Nehemiah. In Nehemiah 2. You know, he goes before the king of Persia. He's still a thousand miles away from Jerusalem, keep in mind. And he goes before the king of Persia. And look what happens in Nehemiah 2, beginning in verse 4. It says this. The king said to me, what is it that you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven. These are Nehemiah words here. and, And I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. Now, I want you to notice how complicated of a situation this really is for Nehemiah. I mean, Nehemiah has this burden. All right, he wants to make a difference by returning to Jerusalem, which again is a thousand miles away from where he's currently standing. And to top it off, he is at the complete mercy of the king. I mean, this is the most powerful man in the world at the time. And so Nehemiah has got no rights. In the eyes of this king and the king of Nehemiah, or the king of Persia, he is there. And let's just, let's just see what's happening here. Here's what I mean by defining the mission clearly. Look at it again. Look at verse 5 again. It says, If it pleases the king, these are Nehemiah's words, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, which is just another way of saying Jerusalem, where my fathers are buried. Now I want you to just look at how specific his request is so that I can rebuild it. And what's the it that he's referring to? He's talking about the wall. So that I can return to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. Now, why is this important? Well, it's important because there are hundreds of things that Nehemiah could have done for the city of Jerusalem. You know, he could have said, you know, I, I want to go back and help turn the economy you know, back in the right direction. I, I want to go back to Jerusalem and remove all of the political you know, corrupt leaders you know, that are there. I want to I go back to Jerusalem and lobby to get him an NFL team or something. You know? I mean, he, there are a hundred different things that he could have come up with. But no, what does he say? He says, I want to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. A very clear, defining mission statement. Now let me just ask you this. Last week, some of you started thinking about your burden, or your passion, or maybe what it is that God has put on your heart, and, and some of you shared those with me in person. Uh, I got some emails, others, you know, posted some messages on Facebook, things like a burden for orphans. Uh, one person said, I've got a burden for, for veterans, I've got a burden for the homeless, I've got a burden for kids whose parents don't appear to be playing any sort of part in their life. You know, the question was, what breaks your heart? Now, today what I want to do is just help move you a little further down the road in a new direction. That knowing your burden, what is it that you believe that God may be calling you to do? What's he asking you to do? You know? Uh, And so I want to challenge you to just think about taking something that's so broad and actually narrowing it down to something that might offer some possibilities. And let me just sort of illustrate this for you. Suppose that I caught you after church today and and came up to you and asked you, what's your burden? You know, what is it that really breaks your heart? what's What's your passion? And you might say, you know what my burden is? It's people living in poverty today. I mean, that's what really breaks my heart. I mean, I feel like God wants me to do something about all of the people that are living in poverty today. Well, what if I was like, you know what, that's great and all, but when you say people what sort of people are you referring to? And you just sort of said, you know what, all of them. I, I guess it's all of them, but, but I guess when I think about it, it's the kids that really break my heart. And I'd be like, okay, now you're getting somewhere, but when you say kids that are living in poverty, are you talking about the kids in Bulgaria, or the kids in Somalia, or, or the kids where? I mean, what are you actually referring to? And, and you might say, well, you know, again, it's all of them. But when you really ask it like that, I'll tell you what breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that even in Indianapolis, there are a whole bunch of kids today that are living without essential needs while most of us are living with an abundance of the things that we have. And I'd say, you know what? Now you're getting somewhere. Now you're starting to define the mission clearly. I mean, can you see it? Can you see the importance of taking a burden or a passion and narrowing it down to something that can give you possibilities or maybe at least a plan or some clarity in your life? I like the way that one person said it. He said it like this. He said, if you can't define it, you can't do it. I mean, if you're aiming at nothing, there's a good chance that you'll hit it. I mean, and what is it that you're aiming for? I mean, what is it that God wants to do in your life? Is there something significant that you want to do for God, but your frustration is that you just kind of keep stalling out? I don't know where to go from here. And and we just see the power of that clarity for Nehemiah. He didn't just say, I want to go help the Jews. He had a very specific request. He was very clear on the mission that God had laid out for him. You know, Jenny, my wife, has really helped me to see how important this is, even in how we raise our own children, you know, and, and I'd like to just say happy Mother's Day, Jenny. I, I feel like we've got the best mom uh, in our house, you know, and, and she's a great mom at that, but, but Jenny is helping me understand the importance of having a very clear mission, even as we raise our kids, and, and it's a clear mission that, that helps us shape our kids' lives and the direction that they're going and the words that we choose and the way that we discipline and teach them. I mean, our mission isn't that our kids get in college. Our, our mission isn't that our kids get athletic scholarships one day. The mission that we have for our kids is to teach them to know and to love Jesus Christ. To teach them to know and to love Jesus Christ. And that this will just be lived out in everything that they do. And this is the greatest desire that we have for our kids and moms and dads. I hope it's the greatest desire, a very clear mission that you have for your children too. And, and, and here's, how, here's how I want to get you thinking today. You know, God has placed this burden on your life. And you want to do something about it, but you don't know where to start. I want to challenge you to spend the time and to pray and ask God this. What is it that you are specifically calling me to do now? God, what part would you have me to play in all of this? You know, the king asked Nehemiah, what do you want to do? Nehemiah's answer was, I want to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. You want to make your life count? You want to do something significant for God? You want, you want to allow him to raise you up to shape you into the kind of leader that can change the world. I want to challenge you to know the mission that God has placed on your life. What is it that He has called you to do, and start living in that direction. You know, there's a story about or involving uh, Yogi Berra. All right, Yogi Berra. You know who I'm talking about? Not the bear, but the Yankee. I uh, played catcher for the Yankees, a well-known catcher, and and Hank Aaron who was one of the all-time great power hitters uh, for the Milwaukee Braves on this particular occasion. And, and the teams were playing in the World Series together, and as usual, one of the things that Yogi Berra was known for as a catcher was trying to distract the batter and with all of his chatter and everything. And so the story goes that on one occasion in the World Series, Hank Aaron stepped up to the plate. Yogi was trying to distract him and, and used words like this. In the World Series, he said, Hey, Hank, you're holding the bat the wrong way. You know, I mean, the trademark needs to be turned towards you, you know, so that you can see it. Well, the story goes that on the very next pitch, Hank Aaron put the pitch over the left field bleachers. And as he was rounding the bases and he came across home plate, he stopped and he looked at Yogi Berra. And he said, I don't come to the plate to read. All right. You know, he he knew that he had one very clear mission every time that he stepped to the plate is to hit the ball and to hit the ball a really long way. You know, there is incredible freedom and power in knowing what you're called to do. And the mission in your life, I want to challenge you to do the work, to know your mission, to be able to define it clearly. The second thing is this. We see this in Nehemiah again. A change the world leader makes plans carefully. Really makes careful plans. I mean, you've got the what. You're like, okay, this is my burden. This is what I believe that God has called me to do. And what is it for Nehemiah? God's called him to rebuild the walls. Now, we've got to talk about the how. All right, and let's just be real honest if we would about the how part. You know, this is so critical because this is where most people get lost and it's where most work comes undone. You know, it's where we lose heart or we lose faith in the process. You know, there is no doubt that the how part of your life or living for God or living for Jesus can be really, really difficult. And it can be very challenging. You know, the how part requires faith. You know, the how part requires patience. And, and the challenge is that a lot of us, and I think most of us here today, would like to change the world. The problem is that we don't know how. And we're like, you know, how could I ever make that change? Or how could I ever get the training necessary? Or how could I ever make the financial commitment? You know, how, how could I learn the language? Or how could I find the time? Or how could I move my money? Well, as I mentioned last week, I, I want to remind you of today, the God who is capable of handling the what part in your life, He is more than capable of handling the how part too. In fact, it's where he specializes. You know, what do change the world leaders do? You know, they make plans carefully. We see it in Nehemiah. And, and I want you to, to watch as Nehemiah presents a very detailed plan to the king uh, here in verse 6. A plan for rebuilding the walls. Uh, Nehemiah 2.6. It says, then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Now, I want you to notice those words there, those four words. They said, I set a time. In other words, he's like, hey, here's how long I think it's going to take, which is just evidence for the fact that he's been doing his work. Like he's been doing some work and some preparing behind the scenes. He's taken action, doing his homework, working towards his goal. Verse 7 says this, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, May I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Jerusalem. Again, he's saying, here's another step. You know, he's basically asking, would you tell the leaders to give me safe passage as I travel through their lands? Basically, let them know I'm on official business. And then finally, in verse 8, And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make the beams for the gates, of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall, and for the residence I will occupy, and because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my request. And so Nehemiah asked the king uh, if he would go before Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, to ask him for all of this wood and all of this timber, and one commentary that I was reading just suggested that this is just more evidence that Nehemiah was doing his work. Because there's no internet at the time. I mean, there's no Google. How could he possibly know the name of the king's keeper of the forest? And so he's been doing his work. He's working very strategically behind the scenes. I mean, he's got a very careful, well-thought-out plan. You know, some of you today, you're here and you know that you are called by God and you've got a burden and you want to do something significant for Him, but you don't know where to go from here. I mean, you don't know where to go next. Well, can I just... Can I just give you a real practical piece of advice? And we see this in Nehemiah and, and just take it right from him. You know, maybe work towards defining the next step you should take. You know, just taking it one step at a time. I mean, if you've got a burden for God and you feel like you're stalled out and you don't know where to go from here and you're spinning your wheels or, or you're completely hopeless or something, why don't you just take the time to think about the next step rather than the next 50 steps? You know, just the next one. I mean, and so maybe it's an appointment with an expert. And as a way of preparing for that appointment, you just write down every question that you can possibly think of. And, and you go and you ask these questions. And, and what do you do after that? Well, you just take the time to go back over every question that you ask and all the answers that were given. And through it all, you're just praying that God would provide the very clear next step for you. Because remember, it's a process. I mean, you don't change the world overnight. And, and I can just promise you that in the process, God has he's got a desire to do some incredible things with your faith along the way. I mean, that's just a work that he wants to do. And so it's about one faithful step at a time. I mean, Nehemiah, he's asking all of these questions. But don't forget the fact that he's still in Persia. He is a thousand miles away from doing what he really feels like he is called to do. And that has to be a little overwhelming, especially in 444 B.C. But notice how he's taking it one step at a time. You know, some of you are here today. And you believe that you are called by God. And again, you want to do something to make your life count, something significant for God. But the problem is this. It just feels like a thousand miles away from where you are right now. Can I just challenge you to think about taking the next step? I mean, what is the next thing that God is calling you to do in your life right now? And I just want to encourage you in that. Because, you know, maybe, maybe you've got a real burden for the elderly. And, and so maybe your next step is that you just need to find some time to go visit one of our local retirement communities. Maybe, maybe you've thought about serving God in another part of the world and, and maybe your very clear next step is to actually go on a missions trip and, and visit that place. You know, Maybe you've thought about serving the poor in central Indiana and your very clear next step might be to go and spend the day with someone who's actually doing that. Maybe your passion is your kids and you want to raise them to know and to love Jesus Christ. And so maybe your very clear next step is to find some seasoned, godly parents who will sit down with you and tell you about the things that they did right and the things that they did wrong. You know, maybe your passion is for kids in this community. And so your next step is to sign up to serve at your kid's local school. Or maybe you don't know what your passion is or what you're called to do, but you're curious and you believe that you are God's workmanship and you want to be used by Him. You know, maybe a very clear next step for you is to attend Network. Again, just as Steve mentioned a moment ago, and you've got a handout in your worship program today. It's happening next Saturday here. And there's more information about how you can get involved in that. You know, I told you last week about how my six-year-old son, Luke, came home from school one day. And Luke, he's got a really tender heart. And, and he said to his mom, he said, Mommy, I've noticed how my teacher spends so much time helping all of the kids in the classroom tie their shoes. Would you to teach me to tie my shoes so that I can help my teacher? Well, he had one challenge in that. He didn't know how to tie shoes. I mean, he's got Velcro ones, you know. And so, you know, he had to learn how to tie his shoes. That was a very clear next step for him. And you know what? Three years ago, God gave the leaders of this church a, a very clear vision to be a multi-site church. And, and from that time forward, it's just been a series of one step after another. And, and do you know what I believe? I believe that God has a great vision for this church, a great vision that will not only be one church in two locations, but that will eventually be one church in many locations. And for now, it's one step at a time. I mean, later this summer we'll open our first campus in Carmel and we can only wonder and imagine and believe what God has in store for us after that. But again, it's about taking one next step at a time. Has God given you a burden for something today? I just want to challenge you to think about, you know, what's a very clear next step that He might be calling me to take in my life? Again, God is capable of taking care of the how part. Now, the how part might not go as fast as you like because you're sitting here today and you feel like you're a thousand miles away from doing what you would really like to do. But if you're committed and you're faithful, I believe with all my heart that God can show you the way and He can make a change-the-world leader out of you. I mean, Nehemiah was a change-the-world kind of leader. And what does a leader like that do? I mean, he knew his mission. He knew the very clear next steps. But let me just kind of paraphrase for you what kind of takes place over the course of the chapter. You know, upon receiving the green light from King Artaxerxes, Nehemiah, he sets out and he makes this 1,000-mile trip, not with a car, not with an airplane, not with a boat, back to jerusalem he goes from susa back to jerusalem and the bible says that the very first thing that he did when he arrived in jerusalem was he rested all right and and we wouldn't you know fault him for doing that but then it says but then he goes out at night so that no one will see him so no so his enemies can't see what he's doing it just says he goes out by night to investigate the condition of the city to see the torn down walls for his own eyes and so it's just a reminder that while everyone is sleeping he's working And again, I think that just continues to communicate. Notice how he's willing to put in the extra effort. You want to do something significant for God in your life? You better be willing to put in the extra time and the effort that is necessary in doing that. But once again, he investigates and he gathers all of the info that he needs and then he does what great leaders do next. The third thing is this a change the world leader like Nehemiah is able to inspire people passionately. He is able to inspire people passionately. I mean, here's what Nehemiah realized. He knew and he realized that you can make a difference for God by yourself. But if you really want to do something significant for God, and if you want to change the world, you're going to have to gather other people, bring others around you. I mean, leadership is influence, and Nehemiah has got it. And look how this unfolds in verse 17. It says, Then I said to them, All right, Nehemiah, he's gathered with all of these people in Jerusalem now. He's speaking to them, maybe for one of the first times. But it says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in. We've got a problem. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, there's the clarity, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of God upon me and what the king had said to me, and they replied, let us start the rebuilding. So they began this good work. You know, if you will define the mission clearly in your life and make the plans carefully, And if you'll allow God just enough room in your life to continue growing this burden that he's laid on your heart for him, I am confident that like Nehemiah, God will bring people around you in your life, people around you that you can inspire with your passion. John Wesley said it like this. I've always enjoyed this quote. He says, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Those powerful words. Friends, what's your passion today? What is your burden? What, what is that one thing that just keeps coming up over and over in life that you just can't seem to shake? I want to challenge you to keep praying that God will increase that passion, whatever it may be, so that there is no chance in this life that it will ever go away, that you will pray, God, give me a passion for your work. Break my heart from what, for what breaks yours, and God, show me where to go from here. And the last thing is this one, really quickly. You know, for Nehemiah, Uh, For those of you that are here today that really want to make your life count, again, you want to make your life matter, you want to change the world. This is for our recent college graduates. This is for our current college students and high school students today. This is for young couples that are seeking to get their marriage off to a great start or maybe empty nesters right now and on this Mother's Day. Uh, This is for you moms that maybe feel like you're making no difference at all whatsoever and the work is hard, but you want to keep with it. It's just simply this change the world leaders depend on god completely absolutely i mean two words come to mind for me total dependence i mean, we get way messed up in our thinking as followers of jesus today that we ought to somehow become more independent in our walk and in our faith as we grow when really when it comes to god it ought to be the exact opposite that every single day I am becoming more and more dependent on His strength and His courage and His work in our lives. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's putting yourself out there in such a place that if God doesn't show up, you fail miserably. That's what our faith ought to look like. And, and let's just see this in Nehemiah. Again, in Nehemiah one four, he says, Hey, when I heard these things, when I first heard that news, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed before the God of heaven. Again, in Nehemiah chapter 2, over in verse 4, it says, The king said to me, what is it that you want? And what, are, what, what do we see here in Nehemiah? It just says, then I prayed to the God of heaven. And as we mentioned last week, you know, the, the book of Nehemiah, if you just keep reading it for yourself, is really just one continual, ongoing word of prayer. Nehemiah was in this constant state of prayer, totally dependent on God. I mean, it would have been so much easier for him to continue with life as norm, you know. <laughs> Tastes fine to me, you know, and hand it over to the king. But God had a great plan for Nehemiah, and he put this burden on his heart. You know, the king could have killed him for making such a request, but Nehemiah is leaning on God. He is totally and absolutely dependent on God. I don't know about you, but this is a lesson that I am learning in my life every single day. As a man, as a husband, as a pastor, as a father, it's this lesson of total dependence. You know, and as I see my weaknesses more and more in my life as Satan whispers into my life and challenging me with these weaknesses, I always come back to this verse and, and this verse is for you today in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. Paul said this, he received these words from Christ, "My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness." So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may work through me. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what challenges you bring in here with you. I don't know what burdens or passions that God has laid on your heart. But let's be reminded today of our absolute total dependence on God. Let's make that kind of our next step for today. But hear these words that His grace is sufficient. It is all we need. It is all that Nehemiah needed. And it's all that you and I need today too. Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, for your work in us. We thank you that as those words proclaim in Scripture that we are your workmanship, that we are your masterpiece, that we are your new creation, and that it is your desire that in Christ Jesus that we will glorify you with our lives and everything that we do. God, I want to lift up all those that are in the room today and you know their stories and their circumstances as they come here. And, and I know and I believe, God, that there may be many that are here today. There may be some that have this burden on their life, this desire to live a great, a significant life for you, a life that counts. And God, for those that are working you know, through this book, this text with us today and even asking themselves the next question, God, I pray that you would give them clarity. As you reveal this burden, Lord, I pray that they would know and understand and even desire a very clear next step. God, we thank you that your grace is sufficient, that your word is perfect for us, and that you lead us all along the way and God, I also want to pray for my friends here today that maybe come into this room and and you know maybe while they're ready and able to take something from all this today, there's a different work that You're doing in their life as they come here today and recognize and know that they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so, God, I pray that they might hear those words with different ears today, that Your grace is sufficient. And if that's where You are today, as we pray, needing God's grace and strength in your life, needing His hope, His love, His eternal life that is promised, to all those that will receive it. If you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe just slip your hand up where you are right now just as a way of acknowledging that I'm here and I need Jesus today. I need Him in my life. As you do that, just pray this prayer with me. God, I, I need Your grace in my life today. I need Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. God, forgive me of my sins and change my life forever so that I might follow You. God, we thank You for these prayers and all these prayers that are offered up to You on this day. God, we pray that You would take us and use us now in great ways beyond what we could ever imagine on our own. And we pray this in Jesus' name.